1: Welcome, dear friends. I'm so glad you can join us on Mission Evolution, where we bring the latest knowledge from today's leading experts to support your evolutionary process. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka. This hour, we'll explore evolving our approach to climate change. The evidence is becoming overwhelming. Just recently in the US, there were at least 30 tornadoes across six states. We've had unprecedented droughts, wildflower fires, flooding, hurricanes. And the list goes on. Even the most skeptical among us are starting to recognize we are indeed experiencing climate change. But what to do about it? With us this hour to delve into this very challenging topic is Stan Cox. Stan is a research scholar in ecosphere studies at the Land Institute in Salina, Kansas. He's the author of six books, his latest, The Path to a Livable Future, forging new politics to fight climate change, racism, and the next pandemic. His writing has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, the New Republic, and more. You can find out more about Stan at www.citylights.com. Stan, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution.
0: Great to be with you, Wilda.
1: It's it's wonderful that we had this time to talk together. It's a very... um, important topic to say the least. So um, the first question I'd like to ask you is what is your educational background?
0: Well, I have a a PhD in plant breeding and cytogenetics uh, from uh, Iowa State uh, University, um, which is uh, the um, area in which I've um, worked uh, for my career in uh, plant science. Um, and genetics.
1: So what, how'd you go from there to be being interested in um, the climate change?
0: Well, um, in 2000, I moved from, I had been working for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and I moved out to Kansas to work for the the Land Institute on, on developing crops for a more uh, ecologically sound uh, agriculture, and and the Land Institute um, has a uh, much uh, broader vision than, say, the Department of Agriculture has, <clears throat> and that involves keeping, uh, keeping the earth livable and um, transforming the way we not only grow food, but uh, do everything, um, and in the 20 years I've been there, it's become more and more clear that if we don't do, get a hold of our um, greenhouse emissions and turn the uh, climate emergency around, then um, everything else we do is, uh, is going to be in vain, that, that this is a calamity that we're uh, heading straight for, and we have to take action soon. <laughs>
1: we have been looking at this and you know to varying degrees for a lot of years and people haven't taken it very seriously it seems like what prompted you to believe and i assume you believe that that we are indeed in a climate crisis
0: you can read any of the um reports that have been uh, coming out in the past few years from the intergovernmental panel on climate change which is the um, collection of um, uh, more than a 1,000 scientists around the world um, under a UN umbrella who have been, for the past 30 years, have been um, issuing reports on um, how fast warming is happening, how much of it we can attribute to human causes, et cetera. And they they tend to be uh, a little bit um, restrained in their, in the alarm they might feel because they their reports have to be agreed to by all the world's governments and so forth, but so forth. But um, uh, in 2018, they um, released a report that was a sharp break from the others and said that you know, the changes um, in in, in the atmosphere and the oceans um, are happening much faster than uh, even they had predicted. And they really raised the alarm about what's going to happen if uh, the, uh, the amount of warming that we've had since the start of the Industrial Revolution, uh, if that warming gets up to one and a half degrees uh, Celsius and, and exceeds that, um, they uh, described a lot of um, uh, you know global uh, catastrophe um, that's going to happen. And so that was 2018 and then last year that another UN report, the UN emissions gap report um, said that to avoid um, all of these um, um, all of these terrible consequences that we are going to have to reduce, Uh, greenhouse emissions um, starting this year, and of course we haven't started, but if we started this year, we would have to reduce them by uh, 8 to 10 percent every year for the next uh, decade uh, if we're going to have a chance to stop this uh, runaway train. Um, Unfortunately, we're not doing that.
1: So, Stan, what are the other things that are contributing to global warming? I mean, we have cyclic weather changes that, that span uh, millennia. Um, what's going on there that could also be contributing? Well, um, <clears throat> the, um,
0: the other things, that, what the, um, the, like cyclic or um, kind of uh, random changes in in the weather um are a long time they they're always uh, there and are um they're um, they're it's predictable what they will um what they will be as in your uh, local weather forecast but only you know, only for a certain time and then um, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, what's called stochastic uh, changes. Uh, whereas what we're seeing with the um, very steady rise in, in temperature, it's almost the the global average temperature rising in a almost a straight line ever since they've been started since they started measuring it in the mid twentieth century um, is. Something that is, um, it, it can only be a result of the increasing concentration of uh, carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases over that same period. It's very much um, highly correlated with that. So are
1: you, are you saying that they factored in the natural rhythms? Um, and I, I, there, some of them are very overlording and over a long period of time. I don't know if we even know what they are, but we had ice ages and this and that. And, you know, there's ru- rumor that uh, at one point Egypt was green um, and now it's desert. So we've, we've experienced this historically before we had the greenhouse gas issue. Have they been able to factor that in so they know how much impact we're actually having?
0: But well, what they're saying now, I mean, it's true that we, we've had periods when it, uh, you know, I say, and during the time of human civilization, we've had uh, the little ice ages of the uh, 19th century and, and, and then a, a few centuries before that. <clears throat> we had the 1930s when it got got a little bit warmer than um, than it had been before that, but this is um, of a whole uh, different um, a whole different scale um, the um, some of these r- reports coming out are saying that um, if this um, um, steady rise of temperature at, at the rate it's rising now um, if that uh, continues for another decade or two that the, um, will be um, experiencing temperatures that have not, in, in much of the world, temperatures that have not been uh, experienced uh, by humans for the past 6,000 years, that uh, whole areas of the, of the earth are gonna become uh, uninhabitable. And um, so that's what, what is really um, raising, raising the alarm.
1: And this is a worldwide alarm at this point.
0: <clears throat> That's right. <clears throat> That's right. And the, um, the rises in uh, sea level are um, certainly um, you know, one of the uh, biggest concerns. And they um, have been, and, and you know, they're measuring the, uh, the rise coming up. And, and we're you know, seeing in real time, the um, loss of uh, glaciers um, uh, and the fact that there was no um, uh, there was no snow cover in the Sierra Nevada and um, a lot of these um, you know, unprecedented things. And it was for you know when um, we had Hurricane Katrina and then Sandy, there were debates then, um, uh, the scientists were saying, well, you can't attribute any one uh, single disaster to uh, human-induced uh, global warming, but it, ra- right. it, it raises the probability of having these disastrous well, hurricanes.
1: We're going to have to now- talk more about <laughs> yeah. probability on the other side of a commercial break. Yeah. Stan and I will return shortly, so don't go away. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Again, this is Mission Evolution, evolution missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. With us this hour discussing the climate crisis, is Stan Cox. You can find out more about Stan at www.citylights.com. Sam, we were just getting into establishing, um, the best we can, how much of global warming has to do with natural cycles and how much has to do with humans being on the planet with the greenhouse gases. And um, I think we've pretty well established, at least from your studies and from what, what the world governments are saying, is that we're kind of in a world, world of hurt here. How long did you say we have to turn this around before you can't?
0: According to the uh, UN's uh, emissions gap report, um, we need to drive um, the, um, the, uh, we need to reduce the greenhouse emissions that uh, humanity is uh, putting into the atmosphere at a very fast rate, like 8% per year for uh, the next 10 years on to to get it down to um, the emissions down to a point at which we can then continue driving them down to zero but if we um, if we put it off longer and say okay we'll just reduce them faster in, in the in the 2030s or 2040s it's going to be uh, too late by then
1: so what I brought up at the beginning, all these um, violent weather patterns we've been experiencing, how much of them are due to the uh, rising uh, temperature and the climate
0: change? The, uh, the way that people who um, work in this area, climate scientists, um, they, um, after for a, a couple of decades, um, kind of hedging and saying, well, um, you can't attribute any individual um, uh, catastrophic storm or um, that sort of thing to uh, human induced global warming. Um, and instead, that, but it does, it, you know, the warmer atmosphere, the warmer it gets, the more it increases the uh, probability of having conditions that will produce. Those storms, and and now they're saying, okay, we you know we know that um, these uh, this increased probability of uh, these kind of storms is being borne out in what we're we're seeing in the um, in, on, on your um, uh, daily um, weather uh, weather forecast or weather report. The um, that system of um, that front that brought that whole um, complex of tornadoes through the center of the country recently um, is a, a good example. Um, you know, scientists have been saying for a while um, that um, the warmer atmosphere um, cre- will create the kind of weather fronts that are more likely to produce tornadoes, and and we saw the heat building up uh, for the week before that front came through in the center of the country and and down toward the uh, east, and sure enough, um, when that front did come through, it it was even more um, devastating than uh, had been predicted.
1: Now, this last one, you're talking about the one, of course, in the U.S. I, in, in, in my lifetime, we won't talk how long that is, I've not seen anything like that. Have you?
0: No. It was crazy having that um, uh, single tornado or cl- cluster tornadoes stay on the ground for 250 miles. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen um, any, any of the experts uh, cite a previous example of that.
1: So, the warmer it is, the more, the more excited the air is and the more volatile the weather. Is that, is that what we're seeing there?
0: That's right. High temperature means there's more energy in, in the atmosphere. Um, and you know, warmer weather can um, hold uh, more moisture in, in the air, but it, um, eventually that moisture has got to come out as. And, and um, we've seen the, um, in the past few years in, in Europe and the U.S. and Asia, the um, kind of uh, catastrophic flooding uh, that, um, that we get uh, from that.
1: So what do you consider to be the major contributor uh, to the greenhouse gas situation? Where do we start?
0: Um, About three-fourths of the um, greenhouse emissions that are um, currently going into the atmosphere each year, about three-fourths is from fossil fuels, either the the carbon dioxide that is released when you burn oil, gas, or coal, um, or the leakage of uh, methane, which is the primary component of natural gas, uh, that leaking in, into the um, atmosphere.
1: How, how does that leak? Where are those leaks at?
0: That's in, <laughs> excuse me, during the, the, um, extraction or the movement through, uh, pipelines of the, uh, natural gas, um, and, um, and then in its, uh, use, um, because at each—anywhere there's potential for uh, contact with the atmosphere, there's going to be leakage. Um, Every time you uh, turn on the gas stove and are are lighting it before uh, before it catches on, that natural gas is going into the air. Um, And and so all of those um, sources of uh, greenhouse gases from fossil fuels are about three-fourths of the total. So that is the central thing that has to be done is to um, get uh, fossil fuels out of the economy and to uh, keep them in the ground.
1: So um, the the bottom line is, though, (laughs) that we need to stay warm. We need to get from point A to point B because our cars also are emitting fossil fuels, right?
0: Yes, that's right. And okay.
1: And so we have very little time to change our entire um, foundation of how we survive, is what you're telling me.
0: Yeah, that, that's one of the big problems that we have a lot of stuff that's locked in. We um, we have a insane uh, transportation system in which uh, each individual has to have this a couple of ton thing burning fossil fuels to move them around, um, and um, we're um, producing food and, and, and like it's an um, uh, like it's an industry and requiring all kinds of energy that is um, coming from uh, fossil fuels, and so um, it's if we're going to. Um, get fossil fuels um, out of our lives, it's going to mean, um, first of all, um, using uh, uh, more electricity and and less burning of uh, fossil fuels and and then have that electricity supplied from uh, renewable sources. But it's also going to mean uh, finding ways to live with less in industrial energy, meaning um, we've got to have uh, a much better insulation of uh, buildings, we've um, got to uh, be using heat pumps in, instead of uh, gas-fired uh, furnaces, and we simply just have to not have as much uh, private transportation um, and simply live lives in which we require less energy to go about our lives.
1: So there's been a fair amount of talk about moving towards local. In other words, the bringing back the home garden, um, shopping locally from um, gardens, shopping, garden shopping, the garden fairs. And um, that was going to require less shipping. Is, is that going to make any difference whatsoever?
0: But it's, that's certainly something that uh, needs to be done and, and you know, to not be uh, uh, flying lettuce around the country and, and so forth. Uh, but they, out of the total amount of energy input that goes into uh, producing and, um, and processing food, um, the, the transportation of food from where it's produced, where it's processed, to where it's eventually consumed, is a very small percentage of the total energy, because you, um, we have um, a large, the, the greatest quantities of energy going into the um, increasingly powerful machinery that is Um, uh, planting and um, managing and fertilizing and harvesting crops Um, and the and then the second biggest um, um, source of uh, energy consumption is producing uh, nitrogen fertilizer which is done with uh, natural gas at uh, very high temperature and is it requires a huge amount of uh, fossil energy. Well, we're going to we're going to have to pause for another break
1: and pick up on this on the other side. Stan and I will return to our discussion shortly, so you guys stay right there. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Evolution.org. Our guest is Sarah Stan Cox. We're speaking about evolving our approach to climate change. You can find out more about Stan at www.citylights.com. Stan, we were talking about what, what we can do and where the, the emissions and this and that are coming from that are creating the our portion of the uh, global warming situation. And as you're talking about, you know, we're talking about what kind of a lifestyle change is going to be required of each individual, particularly when it comes to our beloved cars, isn't there going to be quite a bit of pushback um, from people that um, should soon not believe in this because they don't want to be deprived?
0: Uh, That's certainly uh, the case. Um, It's, we have, and all of us who are alive today have experienced a world that is wholly a product of the uh, what's called the fossil fuel bonanza, and, and nothing we see around us or experience today would look anything like this um, without that, having had this almost limitless uh, supply of energy. And so our society is built for that, but we're going to have to go uh, almost cold turkey um, pretty soon. And so, if we do what um, I and others have been advocating, and if, say, in the United States, we put a firm cap on the quantities of oil, gas, and coal that can come out of the ground and into the economy each year, and then ratchet that cap down year by year um, on a a rapid schedule such as the UN's uh, eight percent a year. Um, That that is really the only way at this point where we can um, get fossil fuels uh, suppressed in time. Now as you say that uh, that prospect uh, probably uh, frightens a lot of people it um, will mean uh, living a very different life. And so there will be a lot of um, economic and, and social adjustments and um, uh, supports and um, more, more equitable economy and a lot of uh, changes that are going to be required to, if, if we actually do what's needed, It'll be required to ensure sufficiency for everybody for the essentials of life, and to ensure fairness, so we, that we don't have uh, uh, people suffering as they, um, many people even today, suffering scarcity, uh, while other people are um, living you know, profligate, uh, wasteful, uh, material lives. It, but if we, um,
1: that sounds like it would require quite a bit of government intervention, and um, even the government intervention that has been necessary during this pandemic has not been well met. Um, how, how do you see this being received at all?
0: Yes, I think we have certainly seen that when, we, uh, when the nation is faced with uh, uh, existential threat like the pandemic, that um, there is a a lot of uh, denial around the country and people just not wanting to uh, face facts, even when they um, see people um, uh, uh, getting sick and and dying around them. Um, And so here we have a much slower moving uh, problem, it's it, It's we perceive it as slow moving the um, uh, um, increase in uh, in uh, climate uh, disruption, uh, and so it, how to? It, it's not going to be uh, possible at this point. I'm I'm afraid to convince 100 percent of people um, to do it, and it's going to be very difficult. In um, you know. With, through democratic means, uh, you know, even uh, even a majority of people um, enthusiastically uh, supporting this, but we we have to be um, honest and, and say, look, th- this isn't something that's some um, that can be uh, fixed and and reversed um, through um, uh, non-disruptive means that it, we can't. Business as usual it can't work anymore, and so we have to face fact: if we're not willing to um, cut back fossil fuels this much, then we we have to. Here, here's what we um, we have to expect, and and to say that it's not as bad as it seems to um, live on less energy, and um, and we can actually create a better world. Because if you look at some of the terrible um, stuff that we've been able to do through the 20th and 21st century that humanity has used this potent energy for, um, we can take that uh, power for uh, evil um, away by reducing the, the quantity of fossil fuel. And then the quantities that we do have to use them uh, to um, meet everyone's needs.
1: Well, the, um, the status quo, there's uh, big companies, um, a lot of money out there that are thriving as a result of it. How are we going to work our way around that when there's lobbying and this and that? where the, where the money docs?
0: Uh, that's why uh, in my um, uh, um, recent book, um, that uh, came out last month, one of the, the key things that I'm advocating in there, and this is based on uh, research by others, is that the fossil fuel companies are going to have to be nationalized because they clearly, as you say, they're not going to be interested in following a new business plan in which they put themselves out of business in 15 or years or whatever. Um, uh, nationalization sounds like a, a scary thing, but it, um, most of the uh, say uh, oil uh, industries around the world are um, you know, publicly owned. they're, they're nationalized. Um, the United States and every war since the mid 20th century. Um, has the United States government has had to uh, nationalize various industries that, uh, in order to make sure that what was needed um, uh, got manufactured. Um, we closed down uh, and uh, the government uh, nationalized uh, something like a thousand savings and loans um, during the scandals of uh, 1980. So it's it's um, and, and it wouldn't cost as much as you think to do it either. Um, so you see
1: it as doable?
0: Yes, uh, you know, based on you know, what these um, uh, experts have, have said, it is um, it is doable, and it needs to be part of what's uh, being referred to as a just transition, meaning people who work in the um, fossil fuel industries and related. Industries. Um, We we have to have an economic plan for those people and and communities that are dependent on fossil fuels for livelihoods and and income. And
1: And it's surprising uh, how many of those there are.
0: Right, and and there. But at the same time, we're going to be needing to um, to. Accelerate the uh, development of other industries, and especially um, uh, renewable energy and um, uh, energy efficiency, um, retrofitting buildings better insulation. There's a huge amount of um, uh, you know, trillions of dollars that need to be uh, spent on that, and, and that's going to be as as we heard a lot about in the past couple of years, that's going to generate you know, huge numbers of jobs.
1: I, I really have faith in humanity's ability to adapt and be innovative. Do you think that's going to be enough to pull us through?
0: Uh, yeah, we, we pretty much have, have to have faith in that because um, that's going to be the, the only way we're going to Avoid uh, avoid the worst, and I think it's uh, going to have to be a matter of um, letting go of uh, the old world, which means both uh, the, the bad and the good aspects of uh, having this uh, high energy world, and and to you know, put our minds to making the the new world that we're going to be going into as, as humane and as um, ecologically sound as we can.
1: Um, we're about out of time in this segment, but one of the things that I personally experienced um, about cutting back, cutting down, going for alternative things is it actually once you get through the transition it can take a lot of stress. We live high-powered lives, just like our high-powered en- engines. And I think it's not the environment's the only one that's suffering, that we slowing down wouldn't be a bad thing. Have you considered that?
0: Right, I think that um, in, in, if we do manage to build this better future, I predict that there will be nobody reminiscing about how they they miss Uh, the rat race of of traffic and and taking an hour to get to
1: work we have to take an hour not an hour but a short break here Stan and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion don't go away this is Mission Evolution for more information or to listen to past archive episodes visit www.missionevolution.org Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing gifted people of service to the world. This hour, we're sharing thoughts with Stan Cox. You can find out more about Stan at www.citylights.com. Stan, we were just about to discuss the um, pros and cons and probably that we've heard about a lot of the cons, but there's going to be a lot of pros in switching over and not being so dependent on um, fossil fuels and finding alternatives. It really can be pretty exciting in my, in my way of thinking. So what do you see as, as the advantages of, outside of just stopping this heckbound train, what do you see as the advantages of switching over from fossil fuel into more innovative re- renewable resources?
0: In, in doing that, in um, getting fossil fuels out of our lives, one of the things that we'll uh, be getting out of our lives is a lot of um, uh, air pollution, for example, which is um, concentrated and unfortunately in. Um, Generally, th- those kind of industries and, and power plants and so forth are in uh, lower income uh, areas, with uh, communities of color um, who um, you know, did not have the political power to say, not, not in my backyard. And so there's been an environmental justice movement for a long time wanting to um, see that dirty industries are not uh, clumped down in, in places where they're going to make whole populations um, uh, unhealthy and, and sick. Um, they, I mean, there will be environmental costs to wind and solar energy, et cetera, but um, we, we won't be dealing with that or dealing with the Deepwater Horizon um, oil leak of the recent, recent one in, in uh, California. Uh, but we we also will um, it, things will be much uh, quieter in in urban areas um, because uh, we cities are built for right now for automobiles and not for people um, and uh, it'll be uh, much easier to uh, uh, get across the street and um, there are, are just a, a lot of Things that um, that that are um, going to be that we you know, will will be surprised, I think, at how um, many things are uh, could be better.
1: Well, one of the things that um, was noticed during during this pandemic, it's had it's been blessing in certain ways, is that that once everybody was confronted with the fact we just can't do business as usual as a result of the pandemic, people have finally started to adjust, well, we have slower shipping times, and we have um, to be careful how many people we have in one place at one time, and all the adjustments that we've had to make to try to get the pandemic under control that have actually uh, slowed things down to our benefit so that we don't have the pressure. If we can't do it, we can't do it, um, versus there was no limit before, and so we were pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed to, push to produce more, be more, do more. That's when you have to back
0: off. Um, right. You mean that the, um, the pushing and pushing to do more is going to have to back off?
1: Yes. The, yeah, individual, yeah. the individual can't keep up with it anyway. Uh, I think we're suffering as badly as the environment,
0: <laughs> whether we know it or not. Yeah. So, yeah. In um, early uh, 2020, I was um, writing, working on a previous book, and I um, was right talking about how we needed to um, have movements, uh, kind of consumption strikes. And, and one of the things I was saying uh, is the a, a broad boycott of uh, air travel. And, um, and, and there we I, are. I, and I laughed at the time and said, "Yeah, like right, that's going to really happen." And then a few weeks later, ninety-five percent of air travel uh, was not happening, and the world didn't come didn't come to an end. Um, it's and-
1: amazing how how the things that we've taken for granted um, actually are. Are pretty damaging to us and, and to the environment that we would be better off without i just hope and i'm hoping that your book and and people out there getting the real facts out will motivate us enough that we can take that giant step what can each individual do stand starting right now so say people are listening to this show watching this show and they go yeah but what can i do what can they do
0: i i think the number one thing is to see where we can um, join in with uh, collective efforts to get climate to uh, near the top of our um, issues and and to um, keep it there. And there have been, uh, I mean, so far in recent years there have uh, been. Um, groups, the Sunrise Movement, Extinction Rebellion, the school uh, climate strikes. Um, and then we, we can look at the, um, the environmental justice movement um, and um, the uh, look around and, and find those organizations. And if there's a um, local uh, chapter, then um, uh, join it. If there isn't, then uh, start, start one or, or um, whatever groups you are a part of uh, help direct their attention toward this. And uh, we, because we've got to get it uh, get it to um, the uh, red alert list.
1: So you're saying that we need to become more involved um, in, in social movement um, as an individual and as groups for this
0: change. Right. They, um, if it were 1990, I think we, we could talk more of, about um, you know, individual changes. And, and we still you know, all need to be doing uh, those things for a lot of reasons. But so let's
1: back up a little bit. What are those things that we, we can do uh, as individuals outside of um, rallying those around us? Uh,
0: um, uh, drive less and, and fly less, um, and um, some of the um, other things that are always come to the um, top of the uh, list are um, uh, consuming fewer animal products. Does, doesn't mean necessarily going vegetarian, but especially um, you know, feedlot raised uh, cattle and, and so forth are huge. Um, uh, Producer of uh, greenhouse emissions, um, and and then buy less. Um, and you know we've seen we saw during the first year of the pandemic anyway people uh, uh, buying a lot less stuff and doing a lot less of these other things, and emissions uh, went down pretty dramatically. Um, and then they came right back up when when we uh, increased consumption again.
1: It was amazing. What was that mountain range that showed up for the first time in (laughs) generations? (laughs) You know, just just from one, what was it, one week of people not being there and animals that showed up on the seashores. And it's like nature will renew itself quite quickly if we can take the right steps. Is that what you guys are observing there in your studies?
0: Right, but we, we don't allow anybody to talk about saving the, the earth or we, we we get kind of agitated when we hear about how oh, we've got to save the earth the earth is it's going to be fine it's uh, it, it's it's our civilization that uh, that needs to be saved and and that can only be done by um uh, healing uh, some of the um Insults, the physical insults that we've inflicted on on the Earth. And, Absolutely,
1: Stan. At this point, I have to ask you, what is your
0: mission? <laughs> uh, my mission um, here recently is to say, um, to say, okay, this um, business of um, ending the extraction and burning of fossil fuels, that um, it's going to be um, something that we, we may not be able to uh, accomplish. There may be too much resistance to it, but we have to keep it out there um, as a, a goal that we, we need to reach. Because if, if we uh, settle for half uh, measures, then um, we're uh, it, it's going to be even worse. Every, a tenth of a degree of warming that we prevent will make life more tolerable uh, for the next generations who are coming along. Well, the next generations are the ones
1: that really are going to suffer if we don't do something. So if you have children, if you have grandchildren, maybe it's enough motivator to think of them, yes?
0: That's exactly right.
1: Well, Stan, we're just about out of time, and I can't thank you enough for coming on this show. If everybody takes a first step and moves towards making drastic change in their lives, can't they serve as an example for those around them?
0: Yeah, that's just the, um, probably the uh, best outcome from uh, you know, making changes in our own lives is that uh, it's Um, It sets an example, and it gives us uh, standing to um, speak out on on these things.
1: Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Stan, thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you, Wilka.
1: Our guest this hour has been Stan Cox, a research scholar in ecosphere studies and the author of six books, his latest, The Path to a Livable Future. You can find out more about Stan at www.citylights.com. This has been Mission Evolution with Willa Wiecka. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit our website, www.missionevolution.org. Be sure to join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world.